Hi, this is Relate to the Bible podcast with Deborah Styling, a podcast that helps listeners realize the Bible is still relevant in the 21st century. I would like you to understand how I relate the Bible to my life or the things I've read, the movies I've watched, things I've seen, videos, or how I make connections to things in the world. When I'm reading the Bible, I reflect on it. The example is um, Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. One time I belonged to an organization, and they had a new member. And I didn't think that person seemed like a very nice person, so kind of stayed away and watched from a distance over different meetings. And it turned out that that person was really, really nice. And I had judged them by first impressions. They might have been shy or or something else, which made them seem aloof. But they were nice, and they befriended other people in the organization, and they were a real asset to the group. And it makes me think of how that was a shallow decision on my part to judge. And it helped me reflect more when I meet new people to be more open. Additionally, when I apply these things to my life, sometimes I'll think, now do I want God to judge me that way? Do I want other people to judge me that way? And so I reflect on these things and it gives me a deeper relationship to the passages I'm reading. And it feels much more personal to me. And I realize that you will apply passages you're reading to your life and the things that you know about the world or things you've read or movies or videos or TV that you've seen. These are just an example to make it easier for you to make those connections. Also, these podcasts will be coming out on Wednesday and Friday. The first portion of this podcast is called Blind Christian. It comes from a post I put on a blog I felt led to create called Types of Christians. You can find that at https colon double backslash types of Christians, T-Y-P-E-S-O-F-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-S dot blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he has thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the world of the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. That's the name of Siloam. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seen. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes open? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind and it was the the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He said unto them, unto them, he put clay upon mine eyes and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God. 
because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man, the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son? who ye say was born blind, how then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already, that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And when they have the word man, they're talking about Jesus is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, what did he do to thee? What did he to thee? How open he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and yet ye did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto him, why herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. We know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, it was not heard that any man opened the eyes of one who was that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, Thou wast altogether born in sin, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. They cast out the blind man. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. That's from John chapter 9, verses 5 through 38. If you ask me, it wasn't the person who was healed that was blind. Those men investigating the miracle Jesus performed on this man seemed to be blind. They still could not acknowledge that Jesus is their Savior, even after the miracle. Hopefully we aren't blind Christians who ignore the things that Jesus shows us in our lives. And hopefully we don't just chalk them all up to coincidence. Also, I need for you to know that since this is an Example of the positive influence that God has made on my walk with Christ. This may not reflect the whole meaning of the Bible passages that I share with you. The second portion is long as well. It just happens to be how I clicked on the different posts. This one's called True Christians. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were, which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth. The hireling is like a, somebody that's hired temporarily to take care of the, the flock, but not the full-time shepherd that's with them and knows the sheep. Okay, the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So he's talking about how he's giving his life for all the Christians, well, for everybody, Christian or not, so that they could come to know him and believe in him as their Savior so they could go to heaven. And that's an aside. i got to get back to where I was. Okay, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Another sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down in myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. That's from John Chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. But there's more that I have. Um, so I go down to John chapter 10, verses 25 through 30. Jesus answered them, I told you, and we believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Again, that was John chapter 10, verses 25 through 30. Wow, there are so many wonderful comparisons that Jesus makes in this passage that I'm afraid I might leave some out. If I do, please forgive me. This is what this passage means to me, although I realize others may interpret it differently. Jesus is speaking of the sheep as Christians, which are his people. People who want to lead Christians, his people astray, aren't going to do it in a forthright manner. They aren't going to come through the front door and say, I'm here to deceive you and lead you astray. Follow me and you are bound to lose your salvation. If the Christians would know better than to follow them, they would stay with the rest of the sheep, knowing that Jesus, their shepherd, would always protect them and lead them to salvation. Instead, people who want to lead Christians astray do it in a more subtle manner 
like the robber who sneaks in to steal the sheep. They work slyly trying to deceive Christians by making them believe that they are doing the will of God. So sad. True Christians stay focused on Jesus and his will for us as shown in the Bible. That way we will know Jesus' voice and won't be led astray by others who profess to be followers of his but aren't. God the Father gave us to Jesus to be a sheep and Jesus and God the Father are one. Jesus is dedicated to protecting us like a shepherd who protects his sheep from wolves. A shepherd would give his life to save his sheep, just as Jesus gave his life to save us from our sinful nature. Those who deceive Christians are going to run for the hills when they see the wolves coming, or they, or when we stop giving them the money or the things they want from us. There, this is an aside. There are many who profess to be Christians and they're saying, well, God would want you to send us this money so we could have this bigger, fancier car, church, house, all these other things. And you're going to be blessed if you send us all this money. That's not the way God works. Anyway, and sometimes people think they're following Christ and doing well. But if, again, this is an aside to the post. The thing is, is if Jesus had no place to lay his head, didn't have a house of his own, I don't know if Jesus would be really happy that there are some church leaders or leaders in the faith that people watch on TV or elsewhere that are saying, send me all this money. I need a bigger house. I need another Porsche. I need another fancy car. You know, well, if Jesus lived a very humble life, I think God would want us to lead Christian leaders to lead a humble life as well. It doesn't mean they have to be destitute, but having a whole bunch of fancy cars and big houses and their own jet to fly from place to place doesn't doesn't smack of leading a humble life to me. Anyway, i got to get back to where I was. Those who deceive Christians are going to run for the hills when they see wolves coming or when we stop giving them the money or the things they want from us. As long as we listen to the shepherd's voice, Jesus will keep us from being misled. Here are some related passages. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. That's from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. Another, behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work is before him. Then he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. That's from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 10 through 11. And another, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The voice said crying he said what shall i cry all flesh is as grass and all the goodliness thereof is of as of the flower of the field the grass withereth the flower fadeth because the spirit of the lord bloweth upon it surely the people is grass the grass withereth the flower fadeth but the word of our god shall stand forever that's from isaiah verse 40 chapter 40 verses 5 through 8 i still have more but the thing is, is I put other things. Some will be almost identical, and that's additional proof that Jesus is the Savior because different people heard what he said and did. But some will be on the same topic from different places in the Bible, which corroborates that this is credible information in the Bible, that this is what Jesus 
who he is, what he does, what he says. God has said about him through the prophets of old, because Isaiah is in the Old Testament, and um, it was said hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. Okay, um, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. That's from Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Here's another, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad, a sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are full. Few, sorry. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. This is Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. Behold, send you send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. That's from Matthew chapter 26, verses 31 through 32. Another, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. That's from Psalm chapter 119, verse 176. This podcast has lots to be prayerful about. I want you to know that since this is an example of the positive influence God has made on my life through the Bible, this podcast that I shared with you may not reflect all of the whole meaning of the Bible verses and passages I have shared. They're just how this particular Bible verse or passage related to my life and how it makes the Bible more personal to me and my daily walk with Christ. Thank you for joining us at Relate to the Bible. I look forward to you joining us next time, where you will hear more examples of how you can relate the Bible in ways that are especially meaningful to you.